Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad, Olofolat. Got a great episode for you today. My conversation is with Sherry Ott. I have known her for a long time. She is one of the first bloggers that I knew online because we were part of that first group of travel bloggers way back in the early 2010s, maybe just a little bit before that. So you're really going to enjoy this because she is embarking on her next adventure, which is riding a bike from each capital of the United States, continuing a journey that her father began. And you're really going to love that story. I think it's a really fascinating conversation. And just as a side note, this has nothing to do with what I just talked about, but literally every time I record the intro to the podcast, I mess up a zillion times when it's just me. I went through it perfectly for the first time ever. And I'm talking about ever in recording this podcast. And I noticed that it wasn't recording. Like I didn't do the sound. I didn't do my normal sound check to see the microphone just didn't, wasn't picked up anyway. Yeah. So my streak is still unbroken. I've never been able to record <laughs> anything where I'm either doing the intro where I'm by myself or an episode without having to cut and edit it. So yeah. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sherry Ott. And there we go. Yeah. See, it's no okay. different than before we hit record. It's a uh, pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty relaxed. Um, hi, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's good to hi. see you. I haven't talked to you in so long. Years and, and years. <laughs> and you're one of the, I mean, we were like kind of the first travel bloggers, I think. I mean, really in that first group that, that started. I think so. That's, I consider that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there were other people out there traveling around the world and maybe sort of talking about it, but we were on that cusp, but we were on that beginning of what really became travel blogging. And I don't know about you, but that I look back at that and go, that was the really good times. I didn't know it at that point, but like, man, I loved it. Yeah. I, I think it's because like people were doing it at that time because they really loved what they were doing. And I think yep. now it, people just either want attention or money, yeah. right? Like that's why they get yeah. into getting online stuff, which we didn't, there was no real no. monetization. I mean, at least that time. <laughs> You're right. We just <laughs> traveled around. I mean, I ended up uh, after I, I had planned a year around the world, which I did, I had saved up to do that. But then after that year, I'm like, I want to stay on the road. And at that time, I decided to teach English as a second language because that was the only way I was even going to remotely make some money. And, you know, it, yeah, it was so different then. And I was still blogging then, obviously, the whole time. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's really, really changed. But glad that we're both still in it in some way. Yeah. I I remember telling myself, like when I started, like, I, I'm just kind of one of those people that when I start something, I go, I'm going to do this for like 10 years or whatever. Like I just set this crazy endurance goal. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just, no matter what happens, I'm just going to keep doing it. And yeah. And I enjoyed well, you went it way too. beyond that. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely been more than 10 years. Yeah, for sure. Yes. When did you start your, your website? So what year? Technically, 2006, it was not oh, the same here. URL name. It was a different URL. And it was just my initials and my birth year, uh, which was 
like what everybody's username was like, you know, in that time. And I started it as a way, it was like a couple of years out of college. It was like a, a way for a group of friends to like keep in touch. So we'd all, in theory, we all had logins yeah. to the blog and we'd all like post updates. It was just me posting updates after like a couple of weeks <laughs> and, and like my mom commenting and stuff. And yeah. then I got a comment from somebody who I didn't know. Like that was at one point, it was just like some random person. And I was like, oh, That's other people funny. are reading this. So like, maybe I should do something with it and, you know, give it a focus. And I love traveling. And then I was into, you know, I was working in tech field at the time. So it just, that's how it started. <laughs> then I, I decided to change the name and stuff. Yeah, and... I. it's funny that you say that. <laughs> because I also distinctly remember the first time I got a comment from someone that I didn't know. And I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. That other people are reading this? Like, how, how did they find me? I had no concept of what like how the internet really worked, even though I did come from an IT background, it was very different. I was right. I was managing application development and stuff like that for retailers. Um, and I, yeah, it was just that momentous, that momentous occasion where you're just like, wait a minute, this is something else. I didn't think it was, <laughs> which is cool. I love the fact that you remember that too. Yeah, it, it was. It, it, I I don't remember the comment now, but I I do remember oh, that. I do. That, that moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anything good? I do, or was they, <laughs> oh, it was good. They they were asking me about my cat because I had written about my cat that I had that I left basically to go travel, and they were asking me about how I came up with the name for my cat. So it's a very personal question too. And I'm just like, <laughs> and she was from Brazil, and I was just like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a nice time. It was like a really nice time, I think, between, you know, in those years up until like uh, maybe like 2015, 16, it, things yeah. changed a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so that was totally different. But uh, I, I occasionally will go through or like accidentally in my browser, I'll like type, like start typing like, you know, like B or something. And then it will like auto, you know, auto fills. Yeah. And there will be like some random like travel blog I used to follow, like, I don't know, like eight years ago. And it's, I'm like, whatever happened to that? Click through yep. and most of them don't exist. <laughs> so, so most of them have kind of right. gone away. You're right. And what makes me sad is that people don't write like a final post, like why they stopped. And I'm like, why did, what happened? Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, I'll remember if I ever stop to write a final post. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of die out of like, oh, what happened? What happened? Uh, but you have not stopped. You are still blogging um, and running tours and and yes. doing crazy bike journeys. Yes, which I I find fascinating. Um, so <laughs> I guess that's the best place to start. Is what are you up to these days? Like like just what is what are you working on and, and kind of where's, where's the blog in and what mm -hmm. state? Yeah, ah, that's a good question. Um, well, I think you're absolutely right. Somewhere around 2015 or so, I was really losing steam um, for all kinds of reasons that we could do a whole show about, I'm sure. But uh, I ended up, I was nomadic for much like you, I was nomadic for about 11 years total. And I decided to get a home base and I'm here in Denver, Colorado. 
um, again, which was, it was a really good decision for me because it had been a long time on the road without a home. Um, but at that time I was still traveling quite a lot. So I was maybe here like, I don't know, I was, let's say I was gone a good 80% of the time. So even though I had this home base, I didn't really know Denver that well. Um, cause I was never here. I wasn't really making that many friends, et cetera. Um, but I was, you know, doing the whole new blogging thing, which was, you know, go on press trips, uh, write about, you know, stuff for Google, et cetera. <laughs> right. Um, so you can get, you know, get on social media, start working with brands and partnerships and all that stuff. So I did all that, but one of the things I really found is that I, I was, unhappy and I don't think I knew understood why but for me it was now that I look at it it was I had lost the really fun part of the journey and this had really turned into a grind um this thing that I loved and much like you I mean you've done some really incredible journeys like back in the beginning when we were just kind of starting out blogging uh, that was one of the things I really loved was finding super unique things to do, unique places to go. Uh, so back during that time, I did the Mongol rally, driving a car from London to Mongolia for six weeks. I did the rickshaw run, driving a auto rickshaw in, across India for 2000 miles. I walked the Camino de Santiago across Spain. So I was finding these like journeys that were really excite me and it gave me something really interesting to write about and so on but now it had evolved a lot into just press trips and writing for seo and and so on and that spark was gone and then the pandemic hit and it uh i i don't know well we talked about it a little bit earlier but i loved it in a weird way because it made me stay put and all of a sudden i was forced to get to know my city that I was calling home. And one of the things that I did um, also because we were in lockdown and granted we could go out and walk around, obviously we, we didn't have that kind of restriction, but I started biking. Um, I had a bike that I had bought off of Facebook marketplace and, and I didn't, I didn't own a car at the time. So I was biking everywhere because it was kind of my substitution for travel because I could go out and explore. And I, you know, got to know Denver that way. I was by Denver has a ton of bike trails, which is, I didn't know, but you can go for hundreds of miles on bike trails here. Um, so I started biking during the pandemic and it really got me excited about something new again. So I was, I wrote a little bit about that stuff, but what really happened um, then was I took something that was very old um, from my past and my family and I kind of made it mine to make this new journey um so basically the, the it's really hard to explain but basically um back when my father was 47 years old I was 14 or something like that it was 1984 I was 14 and and he for some unknown reason he was an engineer for Caterpillar. Unknown reason, he decided he was going to start walking from capital to capital in the United States. And I, you know, my dad was always kind of weird. He always had these big ideas, journey-ish stuff. 
um, always had to be different, et cetera. So I kind of like, well, that, that's just dad. He's weird. Um, but as a teenager, you don't want your parents to be weird because you want to like distance yourself as far as you can yeah. from them. <laughs> so I hated this new project of his, um, hated it. I was embarrassed by it. And because I was also only 14, I would get drug along on it. So my mother would run logistics. So she would do the driving and like get hotels and pick him up and drop him off and bring him lunch in a case by post-it notes on stop signs or signs because everything, I mean, this was obviously 1984, everything before what we have now to communicate. My dad had paper maps. He made this whole map of how to connect all the capitals um, he was going in a counterclockwise, uh, direction around the United States. He had decided to do the lower 48 plus DC. So 49, um, he still worked full time. So over the years, um, I still hated it the whole time. Cause I thought it was very weird. As I got older, I was like, huh, this is interesting. But, um, eventually my dad just stopped. It fizzled and, I think there's a lot of reasons. One, my mom got really tired of doing logistics. <laughs> um, they had grandkids by that time. Uh, I mean, he did this over the course of probably 25 or 30 years. He finished um, 23 capital routes. He walked over like 5,000 miles wow. finishing those. And then it just sat. And now back to present day i've taken up biking and throughout all my travels and as i've gotten older you start to realize all the ways that you are like your parents or the impact they probably had on you and so on and his capital project was getting more intriguing to me because no one else has ever done it which is very rare these days and that was a huge draw to me but when I like went back and looked at all of his notes, because I thought about it at one point, I'm like, well, I could finish walking this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There is a lot left. And I don't know that I want to walk it. So when I took up biking, it dawned on me and I loved it so much that I could actually finish his project, but I could do it on bike my way. And that's when that whole big journey idea really started blossoming. Um, and I had, I had a big journey. I had a purpose again. I had something really interesting and different and also, you know, personally connected. Um, and I really, really want to finish it. Um, so that is the, that's kind of the big, uh, that's, <laughs> big thing yeah. that I have going on now. <laughs> yeah. So uh much like my dad, though, he had a full-time job during this time when he was doing all this. So he would just do it on his vacations and weekends and I'd get drug along and so on. Mm -hmm. um, but, and he would do, you know, he would have a bunch of them started actually at once sometimes, but he kept very meticulous notes. We had a Commodore 64. He would type all of his notes into it and print them out. Um, but same thing. So I'm still, I'm still blogging. I'm still doing some press trips. I am cutting back a bit on it. Uh, still going to very remote and unusual areas. But now what I'm doing also is peppering in these capital routes by bike. Uh, 
So I'm the goal is to do about four or so a year. I basically have 26 uh, left or 26 to do that he hasn't. I think there's about eight of them that he had kind of partway done. So finishing those off and then doing the new ones. And um, yeah, I'm doing like a few a year and it is all completely new to me. I finished three of them so far. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. So, wow. I, I love the story, but I, I love, like, I, it makes me think that, you know, when you're a kid or a teenager, you think your parents are like, like statues or something. I don't know. You don't see them as like people yeah. that want to do stuff. No. Kind of like they just <laughs> exist to take care of you in a weird way. Like, and then you, when you get older, you're like, oh yeah, they were just people like I'm a person, <laughs> like, you know, like nothing yeah. really, you know, you, you don't. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. I, I, I think that's a, a sweet story. You know, your, your, your mom doing logistics and yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's, it, yeah, I, I, I just love it. Cause I think it helps you also understand yourself when you understand why oh. your parents do stuff too, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, when I was growing up, I wanted to distance myself as far as I could from my dad, because I really, I didn't think I was anything like him. I thought I was my mother through and through. My mother's a very social person. My dad's more, you know, he was an engineer. He's very logical. Mm -hmm. um, and he would come up with all these weird things and he always had to be different. We had a garden, like we were always the different family. And I hated that. And it was during travel, all those years of being nomadic and traveling that I really started learning that, oh my God, I'm, I'm my dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> how the hell did that happen? Like it, it was this big aha moment. And one of those, that big aha moment was really when I was walking the Camino de Santiago, um, it dawned on me that I'm like, wait a minute, I'm walking across Spain. Like, and I'm doing all these weird and different things because I have this desire to be different and not like everyone else. And I want a big journey to, to tackle for my planning head and all that. And that's exactly what my dad was doing his whole life. He always had weird little projects. This was the biggest weird project. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found it really interesting. The other thing that I find interesting is I know I'm older than you, but like my dad started it when he was 47 years old. When I asked my dad why he did it, he doesn't have any explanations. He says, well, I thought, why not? I like a big project, you know, and I get that. But I also have a feeling it was also something around midlife, a way to slow down. You know, I'm sure there were stresses of work that he was dealing with, all that kind of stuff. And so that's really where I'm at too. I'm in midlife. Um, and there is something so beautiful, and I'm sure you know this, about just trying to get from point A to point B and being on a big quest or journey and how it simplifies everything in life down. It slows it all down to just, you know, eating, sleeping, biking, walking, whatever it is. And you're just trying to get to the next point and it gives you all this time to really think and process things. And that, I love that aspect. And I'm sure my dad did too. He just never really 
I think tapped into it or never wrote about it. That's for sure. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it, it's amazing what the human body can do. You know, it's like, if you really <laughs> wanted to, I think, I mean, you could probably walk around the, the whole planet if you had, you know, if the weather oh, yeah. and time, you know, like, and that's kind of, I mean, that's basically what we did. There are people that have done that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, and, and so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but like, what was the first trip? What was the first capital to capital that you did? That I did? Mm -hmm. um, so when I decided I was going to do this, I also decided I need to better understand why my dad did this and, and go and kind of really like my parents are both still alive. They're just about 87 years old. And all of a sudden, I also had this feeling of like, I need to get this stuff documented, like I because it's going to be gone, you know. <laughs> so one of the trips that he had partially finished was the Minneapolis to Pierre, South Dakota. He had about 200 miles or so left to finish it. And it just so happens that my parents live in South Dakota, which is kind of ironic that he never finished that one. But um, so basically I took on that as my first one. And I also used that opportunity because I wanted to get this all documented um, to go up there. I brought a friend in, uh, my friend Michaela, you remember, might remember her, she's a videographer. So I brought her in to help me get video interviews and document all this stuff with my parents at their home, at their farm in South Dakota. Um, so we did that for a number of days. And then Michaela was my first, as we call it, logistics queen. Um, and we went to where my dad last stopped, which was back in like 2009, was the last time he had walked. And I got on my bike and I started pedaling towards Pierre, South Dakota. And I did that for, I don't know, four days, all, ran into all kinds of things that I, you know, were new to me, including some really bad weather. Um, and then what happened is my parents actually came out. I stopped a mile short of the Capitol building in Pierre, and my parents came out and I put my bike up and three of us walked into that Capitol together to kind of, for me, that was the handoff. Like my dad finished that Capitol and it was a really nice handoff then to me. And it was so special to be able to walk into this capital with them. And it brought back so many memories for me even. Um, and then the next day I got up and I started the next one, which was Pier to Bismarck, North Dakota. So South Dakota to North Dakota. And I started that one on my own. So it was a really great little handoff. So those were two that I did last summer, um, South Dakota and North Dakota. Wow. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a sweet story. I, I really like that story. <laughs> um, yeah. so when it comes to it's summer, so I, I guess in, in the Dakotas, it's probably very hot. I'm guessing, uh, you yeah. know, summer, depending on when in the summer, there's maybe not a lot of rain in the summer, I'm guessing, or, or you, you know, or these kind of thunderstorms roll through. I, thunderstorms. thunderstorms. Yeah. We had some massive storms and lot in the great plains. So South Dakota, North Dakota, so flat, the wind is just massive. And that's what I, that was a big hurdle on these, these two trips was the wind for sure. So these are pretty long bike rides. Do you, 
I guess you can't really train to, you know, ride 200 whatever miles. Uh, do you do yeah, anything right. special to prepare or do you just say, <laughs> all right, let's just, let's see what happens. A little bit of both because you also have to remember, like I am completely new to biking. I really hadn't been a biker ever. I had never really, you know, besides, you know, little things here and there, but new to the idea of cycling, I guess we'll call it. Um, and I, I basically trained sort of <laughs> here in Denver by doing like 40 or 50 mile rides, you know, and I try to do like three back to back or something like that, but that was really the most I had done. Um, I don't think I'd ever gone over 50 miles at that point and never more than three days in a row. Um, whereas these trips would require me to go multiple days in a row but I did try to stick to like the 50 miles 50 to 6 let's say 45 to 60 miles a day depending because some days like I'd have to stop early or I couldn't do it because the wind like we had gusts of 40 miles an hour I couldn't even keep the bike upright um and so then I'd have to adjust and go longer the next day so you know you you plan and then you know you see what happens and then replan <laughs> every day um but so I kind of trained in that sense, but no, I always, I talk about a lot now, like on the bike training, you just like, you just go and, and you hope everything works out. And if not, you, you replan. Um, but yeah, it was all really, really new to me. I'd never ridden on my, the thing about Denver training in Denver, it's all bike paths. So I had never ridden on roads with a bunch of traffic and certainly roads with no shoulders. Like I, so that was, and still is one of my big terrifying things um, for me. I'm just not comfortable with it yet, but um, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> you know, like how, I, I guess in my head, I can sort of conceptualize how long it takes to walk 50 miles, how long it takes to run it maybe, but on a bike, like how is that like a, Two hours, 50, four hours? Uh, 50 miles for me is going to be around, it's going to be probably four hours. Four hours. If okay. it's particularly, you know, bad weather or something mm -hmm. or a lot of uphill, it's going to be more like five hours. Um, so, yeah, it depends. And my dad, when he was walking, he was walking. He didn't also do any training. He just decided to get <laughs> up and walk one day. Um, but he would walk somewhere between 20 to 30 miles a day every day for multiple days. So he had a pretty, I mean, he was doing a lot. Um, yeah. So, but this is faster. And I hope as I get more in shape cycling and so on and do more of these, as I get more used to it, that I'll be able to up that to more like 70 miles a day or something like that. But the one thing I'm still a travel writer and I still love to travel. And, and this is just a form of travel for me. So I don't want it to turn into this, like just cycling. I am having so much fun going through small towns and exploring them. And then every time I get to a Capitol, um, I tour the Capitol building. Capitol buildings are fascinating, by the way. <laughs> um, everyone is so different. They always have such interesting history and architecture and so on. So, you know, I'm documenting all of that. I'm talking about, um, you know, what to do in that capital city, because lots of times the capital cities are kind of the unknown cities in a state, which is fun. 
Um, so uh, I'm trying to meet up with bikers in that city also to kind of learn about the biking stuff there. So this is all turned into, you know, a way that I document the trip and also give people ideas of what they can do in these capital cities. So I'd like to take time for that too, which is really important to me. And so uh, I guess you, you mentioned the the roads, right? That's the first <laughs> challenge um, because I mean, do you just take off? I guess you use the highways, right? I mean, there's really, I mean, there's no other way to go. I'm assuming, uh, you know, between. Yeah, you're right. And just on the shoulder, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the problem is um, when I sit here behind my desk and try to plan a route. So I also just just finished this this summer. I've started to do like three or four more. And I just finished uh, Phoenix to Santa Fe. And, and I am not at all familiar with this part of the country. Like, I mean, I know it sort of, but um, it's high desert. It's actually higher altitude than what you think. Most of my whole ride was at, well, once I got up to like 7,000 feet, it stuck around 6,000, 7,000 feet the whole time, but it's very dry. And there are not many roads that go through that area. Whereas the Midwest, you've got farm roads. So like mile roads, everything is split up into miles. And so if you had to get off maybe a highway for some reason, you could always ride gravel roads. And I do have a gravel bike that I ride so that it gives me that ability to get off if I need to and ride on rougher trails, et cetera. Um, so that helps. But yeah, so when you, you know, you, you're sitting, I'm sitting here looking at Google Maps and this Komoot app that I use that helps me build the bike routes. And it is a tedious, tedious process to try to figure out what what roads you can take, what are really roads. Um, I use Google Street View and I try to like figure it out. Like, does it look like there's a shoulder? Is there not a shoulder? Like, what is it? You know, so that piece is really tedious and you plan all this out for like 11 days to, to get from Phoenix to Santa Fe. And then you get there and everything can change, you know? Um, and then each, like each day you just replan again. But yeah, most of the time I'm on shoulders, hopefully. Lots of times on this last trip, I did not have any shoulder. And because there's not a lot of roads there or interstates even, were huge like semis and stuff going by me and RVs and all this stuff. Um, once I kind of got past the turnoff to where they normally go to the interstate, then it slowed down a little bit. But then I have to, I biked all the way through Albuquerque. Um, there was a section on this last one that I actually had to bike 20 miles on the interstate, which I never in my wildest dreams thought I would have to do, but there was no way around it. And Apparently, I've looked at this, it's legal to bike on the interstate if there's no alternatives. And this is a part of uh, the old highway Route 66 that I was biking on. And there are parts of that that are just not available anymore. There's no frontage roads and you have to bike on the highway there's, or on the interstate. There's no getting around it. So that was really crazy, you know, traffic coming by you at 90 miles an hour. And the shoulder, even though it was a big shoulder, the, it wasn't in good shape and there was so much debris and shredded tires and and any of that stuff can just you know knock you off in a second so it was a lot of concentration <laughs> wow 
Well, and, and it was it was scary. I will say that. <laughs> and well, yeah, because it's two things that I think of. It's like, well, if you're on the shoulder and you fall, you don't have good. I mean, you don't want to fall into the traffic you know on that side obviously yeah. and then yeah. the other side who knows there might be a ditch or a guardrail or something or you know yeah yeah and, and there were there were places in this last one too where there was still snow piled up so high that it was i didn't have a shoulder so i had nowhere to go like there was mm. nothing but snow to fall into but that still would have been better than traffic so <laughs> and how do the cars in general how do oh. how are cars and trucks toward bikers <laughs> mm. <laughs> i i thought about this a lot on this last trip because i had so it was so many busy roads um you know i'm gonna say more than more than half the majority let's say are pretty good about getting over um but not everyone you know, and some people are annoyed that you're there taking up space on the road and will show their annoyance also by either getting super close or uh, I learned a new a term called coal rolling, which I didn't know, which is like mm. where a big truck or something or, or car will like hit their exhaust and it'll be that black exhaust like oh. to just piss you off, basically. Um, anyway, like so. It varied, I would say. Um, I would get really mad at certain points if people wouldn't get over, especially if they had room. Like, mm -hmm. uh, but I also said after this this last route that I finished, I'm like, oh my god, I could just do like talks on public safety of how to drive when you, you know, encounter a biker because, yeah, you become pretty passionate about that <laughs> as a biker to give you room. Yeah, you do notice that people don't seem to know how to react to bikes, at least when I they see don't. bikes in the US, especially that they don't like sometimes people will give a lot of space, way too much space, I feel like, in other words, that they're kind of swinging without looking into the next lane, which can throw off traffic dynamics. Mm -hmm. Or they're way too close. And I always think, well, if the person hits a rock and falls, like you don't want to be too close to the bike or you, you, you know, you want to, it's like a motorcycle, but a, a lot slower. And, and I think people don't know the rules, yeah. right? Like if, if they think you should be on the they sidewalk, don't. right? <laughs> if there was a oh, sidewalk. Yeah. But like I said, lots of people get really, really mad that you, that you would have the audacity to bike on say a mountain pass road with no shoulder where there's lots of turns and you as a biker have the right to be there you you know you can be in the middle of the lane actually as a biker but mm -hmm. um you have the right to that lane but um yeah most people don't know and most people actually get angry about it mm. uh but i will say the semi truck drivers were pretty good like the truck drivers were pretty good. And I think that's because they get trained. Like mm. they have driving training and all that, right? The worst people were the RVers, especially RVers that were like pulling cars and stuff. I don't, and, <laughs> and I think that's because there's a lot of people out there renting RVs that don't know anything about RVs or what they're supposed to be doing, right? And there's no driving requirements besides the license that you need to do them. But yeah. Like the RVs were the worst, I thought. And I would get so mad at anyone who was who was um, 
a car or a truck or an RV that had bikes on the back on a bike rack and they wouldn't mm. get over. And I'm just like, they should take your bikes away. I would, you know, what else are you going to do? I don't listen yeah. to music or anything. So you, sometimes you get mad at the drivers. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is really weird to me, you know, you're in a vehicle that can go a hundred miles an hour, but you get upset when you have to slow down for like five seconds. It's just like, it's yeah. really funny. Like, yeah. Um, oh, crazy. But, and, and I mean, do you have any like close calls? Is there any anything that you worry about? Not, <laughs> oh, I worry about a lot of stuff, <laughs> but the, I haven't had any close calls yet. Um, the other thing is you, it's one thing being out in the middle of nowhere on mm -hmm. these like little roads, but getting all of a sudden, like I had to bike all the way across Albuquerque, which was a full day. Mm -hmm. Um and like all of a sudden, you've got to watch traffic. You've got to watch right turners. You get, you know, now you're in commuting traffic, which is a whole different yeah. like set of stuff to think about and concentrate on. So that's hard. Um, and I've been lucky. You know, I you know you have to pay really close attention. And also, I should say, in cities wherever there's a bike route, I try to stick to mm -hmm. the bike routes for sure. Like I'll go and talk to. Uh, the local bicycle shop or whatever, or the tourism department and talk about what I'm doing and try to get um, resources for getting across a big city. Um, but uh, yeah, I worry about a lot of stuff. I mean, honestly, <laughs> one of the things that I have kind of accepted in this whole thing is I think it'll be unusual if I get through this whole project and don't end up in some kind of accident. Um, it's just, I've got 9,000 miles of riding basically. And as you noted, you know, it's, they don't, people here in the United States aren't really great with bikers. And so I hope that I make through, make it through without any accidents, but I realistically, I've kind of said to myself like, yep, that may happen. And I've also said to myself, it could be fatal. And I've had to decide that that's okay. Like, I'd rather be out doing something that I really love than sitting here not doing something. Like, this is important to me. Um, so, you know, I thought about all of that. Other things that are really hard is the training aspect and trying to figure out the weather and all of that. And then the other thing is, weirdly, is logistics so my <clears throat> my dad had had my mother which is great they've been married for like 60 some years um and she would do anything like she that was she was wonderful but i'm i don't have anyone so that is a big hurdle for me and things that i worry about so i can plan out the route but I don't, I really don't want to do this bike packing. I could, I suppose, but that's not necessarily, I may do some routes like that, but it, that's not my goal. Part of the fun for me is to have someone along to do logistics because then it becomes this kind of really fun partner thing too, um, which I like a lot, I'm finding. And so I have to try to find people that are willing to give up a week or two to basically drive and be my support vehicle. Um, but it can be super fun too. So like one of the things that I, I 
supply or whatever I offer as my logistics queen, could be a guy too, it doesn't matter, but you're always going to be called the logistics queen. <laughs> kind of an homage to my mother um, is, you know, if you come along and, and do that for me, I get the hotels and the food, I pay for, you know, all of that. And you're just driving my car, um, you know, dropping me off, picking me up, maybe going X amount of miles ahead if we have a worry about something. Uh, my last logistics queen helped me fight off dogs, which was great, <laughs> which is another huge concern of mine. Random dogs that run out and scare the crap out of you. Um, or they call them reservation dogs, which there were plenty on this last trip. Uh, so, so for them, it's also a really fun time. And I love you know, eating and drinking in all these places. And and so it becomes this kind of fun way to travel across the U.S. with me, hopefully. But I have to find people that, that have the time to do that and that want to do that with me. Um, so that's a big hurdle to this whole thing, too. And, you know, I, I feel like I probably people listening have a lot of questions about the, the, the logistics. And, and when I talk to people who do adventures, I... You know, I like to get those things out of the way first because really it can seem sort of like from the outside, that's where people get stuck at. But there must be these, uh, you know, amazing either views you get or, you know, I mean, uh, now we can talk about, you know, what are some of the things that you've experienced that maybe people would not expect, you know, on a on a bike ride between, you know, two different cities or how do you change how does it affect mm. you? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, much like walking or running, it is a slow pace. It's a, it's a slow, digestible way to see the United States, which I love. Um, you know, and, and you too. We've been traveling all over the world for 17 years. It is kind of fun for me to come back into my own country and, and see it at this pace. Um, so I think that, I mean, the scenery of this last one was absolutely beautiful, uh, despite the roads kind of being crappy and no shoulder, the scenery was gorgeous. These big, long roads, you know, that go out and it just, it's a really great time to reflect and you feel small and you just, it's a really cool thing to be a part of on this last one, I would say one of the things that surprised me that I hadn't really thought about, honestly, probably because I was so worried about everything else with biking was like, we learned a lot about the small towns that we were going through. And many of them were Pueblos. So reservation type towns there. I can't remember. There's like 16, 19 Pueblos in New Mexico alone. So, and we stayed in some of the Pueblos. So you know, it was a chance to really kind of learn more about that. We talked to people there. We met, you know, it was fascinating. Um, so there's some of that stuff, too, that, like, I don't know. It's really special to me. And, you know, that's kind of from a travel perspective. Um, you know, the food, it, it, it is just, it is a great trip. It's a great, you know, way to see culture, new culture, new food, new drinks, all that kind of stuff, new landscapes. Um, so, so far that's been really, really enjoyable to me. Like when, when this one, this last one ended, when I finished in Santa Fe, it was really nice to have a day off because I had done a lot of days in a row. 
But there was a part of me that was actually sad that I was putting my bike on the bike rack and driving back to Denver. Like I wanted to keep going. I was in this, you get in this groove and it's this beautiful groove where, like I said, all you're doing is worrying about biking, eating and sleeping. And it's a lot of fun. So, and I forgot how much fun that was. Like I loved it in this, in the Camino de Santiago. I actually really loved it in doing the Mongol rally and stuff like that. This like little routine that you get in, in your vehicle or your, you know, way that you're moving from point A to point B. And it's just, there's something really therapeutic and comforting about it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I often think about that when, when I'm doing like a walk or a long train ride or or something like mm-hmm. that, where I'm disconnected for long periods. And I think people from most of human history have lived their lives like this. So I, I just mm-hmm. think like, you know, how time slows down for you when you do that kind of thing that they're, yeah. I, I just, maybe I'm glorifying, but I think like their lives must've felt so much longer. Like I feel may, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> when, or, or it was, or it was just like the same thing every day and they didn't have, but I just feel like, because yeah, and then because when, when you return to the real world, it's like fast, 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 and yeah. the days go by like so it was quickly. Sad, yeah, yeah, you know. And and I also even felt, and I remember this feeling also when I did Camino de Santiago, because that was five solid weeks of just walking, right? And I never took a taxi, never did anything. I just walked, and so I remember finally being in a. a taking a taxi to the airport at the end when I was leaving. And it was the first time I had been in a car going at that faster speed for over a month. And it was a really weird feeling. And I'll say the same about this too. I was so used to going my say 12 to 15 miles an hour on my bike that when I would get in my car and drive, there was something that felt just weird about it. Um, I don't know. It was it was very strange. But yeah, you get used to a certain pace, seeing things go by at a certain pace. And and I think that's really kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, and I'm sure I'm positive. That's some of the things that my dad loved about it, too, about his walking journey. I'm sure it was. Um, because I don't think he would have done that many or continued it otherwise. But I think there was something super comforting there for him about it. And the other, you... I will. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no, oh, no I was no, just going to say the other thing I just thought about was, it was like, like I said, my dad took notes. He spoken to. He had this little tiny recorder, tape recorder, mini one, and he would speak into it, and then he'd come home and transcribe it, and then we'd type it into the Commodore sixty four. So I have all those notes. They're not but they're just notes. They're like, I crossed this river at this time, you know, like there's not a a lot of other stuff in it, but there are some gems. And what I found is that lots of times the stuff that he would note that wasn't just the logistical stuff were things that he would see that would bring back memories from his childhood or how he grew up or, you know, and he referenced that just a little bit. And I could tell that he got a lot of, there was a lot of comfort from that, like this whole remembering and processing your childhood and how you grew up or whatever. And the weird thing was from the the first day I got on the bike when I was starting off to go to pier, that's what came flooding 
back to me were all these weird childhood memories of like learning how to ride a bike stuff you know we did on family vacations like that was consuming my mind those first few days I was biking so I do think there's a piece of that too where you process your childhood or your memories or something too which is weird and did you have you had a chance to talk to him and and kind of uh compare notes if it were or 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 memories mm. or experiences a little bit i like that idea of comparing notes and i should that's a really good idea and i should actually sit down with and do that with a purpose um we certainly talk about it you know we actually have this kind of ongoing argument argument of um what's harder was it is it harder to walk from capital to capital or harder to bike from capital to capital <laughs> so you can tell that we're a very competitive family um <laughs> uh so we we do talk about that a little bit you know he had the the freedom of walking with where he could you know cut across on train train tracks or cut across a field or wade through a river or something and he would do that a lot because he was very much about shortest distance from point a to point b and i don't have that luxury on a bike um i'm very restricted to roads of some sort typically um but so we've talked a little bit about that i'm trying to think and we talk a lot about the capitals themselves because there's always you know interesting stuff about them um but yeah i mean there are i i like that idea though i i will go back and get some very specific questions about similarities or and so on he used to also have a lot more people because he was walking he would have people stop all the time and ask to give him a ride mm. all the time um so he would weirdly have a lot more interaction with people whereas me on a bike i have very little interaction with people until i get into a town or something mm. like that um very rarely have people stopped and asked if I needed anything or you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So because yeah. they're used to seeing bikers out, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have you had like a moment on the road during these trips where you you just kind of went, I can't believe this is my life, or wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this or experiencing this. Any any moment like that? Yeah, definitely. Like, I can't, they've definitely had moments where I'm like, I can't believe that I'm doing this. And and even like, when I finished Santa Fe this time, the interesting thing, and I kept on thinking about this, um, because I love the fact that like, you can never predict life, right? Like, you know, we can try to control it as much as as we as we can or want but things happen that you don't expect and I love that about life um, and that's one of the things I loved about travel and living nomadically and doing everything up to this point so one of the things that I kept on thinking about with Santa Fe was I had never been to Santa Fe before really I was I had planned um, I had planned a trip with one of my girlfriends down to Santa Fe a road trip uh to do some coverage like press trippy thing and that was supposed to be march of 2020 and so that obviously got canceled everything got closed down and i was thinking about the fact that like that was before i ever biked or did anything you know 
And I'm like, wow, in my wildest dreams back then when I had to cancel that trip, never in my wildest dreams would I think that I was going to end up in Santa Fe three years later as a part of my dad's quest biking from Phoenix. Like, that's just, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so I love that kind of stuff. Like, big, big turns that your life takes. Um that's unpredictable. Yeah, so, it sounds like you, so yeah. you met the goal that you set out for when, when you originally came up with this <laughs> idea, um, which is amazing. And it's still like, there's yeah. still more to go. You still have what you've done for. Uh, oh, got... so much more. I've done, I finished three. Um, this summer, I'm going to finish off Iowa because my dad only has a little bit left of that. And then I'm also finishing um, Montana. So those are two that I'm doing yet this summer. And then I'm thinking maybe late fall, early winter to tackle um, Kansas to Oklahoma. So Topeka to Oklahoma City. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got, interestingly enough, I grew up in the Midwest. And so what my, my dad got a lot of the Midwest done and he did a lot of the East Coast. Um, yet I do have some significant part of the Northeast left. But what he didn't do was the West. And so I, which is kind of nice for me because I'm in Denver in the West and it's easy to get to some of this stuff, but it's all the big wide open space and mountain passes. It's all the big mountain passes and deserts, you know, like I'll have to figure out how to get around Death Valley, et cetera. Um, so that's why, even though I only have like 23 left now, I still have about 8,000 miles or so because it's just, it's the big distances. Wow. I have to go from Carson City, Nevada down to Phoenix at some point. Which oh, is wow. That's far. 800 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And through some really challenging terrain. So, so we'll see. Yeah. But, that'll, that'll be an interesting, <laughs> uh, a ride for sure. I mean, I, I've driven through Nevada and it's just like, there's nothing. I mean, there's just like, yeah. For a long, like, no, <laughs> nothing. I mean, um, and who knows I maybe maybe I'll cut over into California I think there's some routes there that's one thing um, another thing from route planning I am using uh, since I'm new I, I learned about all these organizations there's an organization called the Adventure Cycling so Association um, they're actually a nonprofit. but one of the things they do is they really support bike travel and so they have routes and routes of like with like long distance routes either across the country or up or down or whatever so they have a lot of maps and stuff and routes that you can use and i try to you know utilize them whenever i can plus they're just a great resource for bike travel um so that's really great but yeah so i you know i have a lot left and one of the things i was going to say also because i know you're in dc so I told you it was, he's doing the lower 48 plus DC. So my goal is to have the last one be DC um, and finish at the White House. And my dream, I'll just state this, my because I don't know when that'll be. It might be five years. It might be 10 years from now. My dream is to be able to finish in DC, meet the president, and have it be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those are my three things if i could do any of those things that would be great but um yeah i think it'll be a fun place to end 
that that sounds like three great goals i th i think uh <laughs> you'll you'll need i i think yeah it, the first one you'll get to dc the second one meet the president you could you know the third one you're gonna need some help know. but hopefully hopefully yeah uh, <laughs> hopefully you get you know <laughs> you need the candidate and then you need the votes but uh i know uh, i know it's unless you're hard, thinking of going but... into politics and, and then that, no uh, <laughs> 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 like I'm just going to be the president, then that'll solve. <laughs> well, that well, that would be a new journey. Um, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't be happy with any of them, though. Like, I really do think it would be cool. I have, you know, I'm also taking my travel background, travel writing background, and working with tourism boards and stuff like that as I come into these capital cities and or travel through cities. Uh, which is fun. And some of them that I've talked to even have been really excited. Some states you know, tourism boards have been really excited about it. And some have even been like, oh, our governor is a big biker and maybe they can bike with you. I'm like, yeah, sure. Bring the governor on. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? You know, I, my goal is also what I'm doing. As I said, I'm, I'm documenting a bunch of this and um, it's actually going to start really soon. I'm just about done with the first episode, but I'm going to do each route as an episode on YouTube. So I'm doing video stuff all along the way when I'm on the bike and so on. <clears throat> and so um, the first one will be, the first episode out will be shortly on my YouTube channel. And it's going to be kind of the, the basics of what is this. It's those initial interviews with my parents that we went up to go do. And then the second episode will be the trip to Piers where I walked in with my parents, et cetera. So, um, so there'll be a way to document it in that way, which I think will be really fun. I'll make sure to link to it um, so that people can follow along and let me know where should people find you? Where can they find you? What's your YouTube handle? Uh, my YouTube handle is at Otsworld. Um, same thing as my website, otsworld.com. And when I'm on the route, I mean, so the YouTube ep episodes are way more extensive, like, you know, anywhere around 10 minutes or so, but um, they'll be they'll be showing up after I finish that route. But while I'm on a route, I do Instagram store, Instagram and Facebook stories each day um, of what goes on or what dogs come out and chase me or <laughs> what margarita I had or whatever. Right. So there are lots of ways to follow. You can follow live. You could watch the YouTube channel after. Um, and then if you have any interest in, I'll also give you the link to the map which is my dad's route of what capitals I'm going to and what's left. And if mm -hmm. you ever have any interest in biking with me for part of it or being logistics, yeah. you can always contact me. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So always looking for people to join. I mean, one of my goals here is to also bring a lot of visibility to bike travel and, you know, and the, see, uh, how to see the U.S. at a, at a slower pace. Wow. Well, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I, I'm just trying to imagine the things that you see and that ex that you experience through kind of road trips that I've done. But I know being in a car is mm -hmm. is a different experience. You know, you you can kind of turn your brain off in a car, like for a long distance. When yeah. you're just driving, you just kind of like, you know. Yeah. But, but to this be able all, to yeah. stop. And there are times. <laughs> yeah. But I talk to cows. I talk to a lot of cows that I go by. <laughs> they don't talk back, sadly. But yeah, it, it, there's there is a lot to see, and your brain doesn't really turn off that much. It's it's great, though. Well, I will 
yeah, I will. Uh, let's let's coordinate for logistics or or bike ride. I think that would be super fun. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that would be great. And if you see any UFOs in Nevada, if you like go down by Area 51, I've driven down yeah. there and I looked, I didn't see anything, but I heard a lot of like coyotes and th I heard things yowling and I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to get back in the car. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you see anything, you know. Yes, yes. I, I'll make sure to document it. <laughs> people, <laughs> apparently um, they, there's like a small town where people camp right outside of area 51 uh but oh, really? and they see stuff but i mean it's next to a military you know like air base so they're definitely seeing things yeah. i don't i don't know if they're from another you know planet but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be cool oh my god that's awesome see that'll be fun <laughs> so, yeah coyotes and and lots uh, of cool lots of cool states left for sure <laughs> Well, I will link to everywhere that everybody can find you and 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 follow the the journey uh, where you're going. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story today. I re I like I said, I think it's just really cool. It's very unique. It's challenging. Thanks. You know, it's something that, yeah, it's just it's it's not something that a lot of people would undertake. You know, it just seems very difficult. But um, I think you you know with the planning and the logistics i think you, you you've put in some things that i wouldn't have thought about you know i that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's you know like any big journey or challenge that you take on it seems really really big and daunting and then you get on it and it just kind of happens and that fear you know that stuff kind of melts away a little bit and it becomes more doable day by day so so yeah it's been a really great experience and i would encourage anyone else to go out and try their own big journey or quest or whatever that may be um because it is a really rewarding process well thank you again everybody listening uh make sure you check out the links in the description and uh talk to you in the next episode Thank you, Sherry, for being a guest on the podcast. And thank all of you for listening. Make sure that you leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. I mean, you know where you're listening to this. So make sure you leave five stars. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. We've got a great couple of episodes left. We're right at the very end of season four before we go into our summer hiatus. Thank you all of your all of you for your support. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sherry, again, for being on the podcast. And until the next episode, I hope you have a great rest of your day.